All right, welcome back to Lindroth Hockey Podcast. You are here with co-host, father and son duo, Andrew and Jim Lindroth. Dad, how are you today? Doing great. Another ECHL coach here, this time uh, Boston Bruins affiliate. So yes. give us a quick introduction here. Yes, yeah, so we got Mr. Terrence Wallen with us, with the Maine Mariners. And guess what? He was here episode 86. It was a while ago. And Dad, ago. like you mentioned um, off air, it was kind of a special episode because Terrence had just found out a few minutes prior to the episode that he was hired as the head coach so that was a pretty cool thing so we'll welcome coach wallen today coach how are you i'm doing well guys thanks for having me again yeah so i just want to uh throw that out there again if i remember it was last summer and we had had you booked uh you were assistant coach there at maine and uh you go to get on and you said hey boys i just found out a few minutes earlier i'm the new head coach so yep. uh Linderoff hockey podcast had the breaking news do you remember that coach Yes, I do very well. Uh, it was just after the NHL draft last year, um, and you guys were the insiders. You guys, you guys got all the insider information. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it was great. So, Coach, let's talk a little bit about last season. I want to hit uh, first um, organization-wise, not team-wise. So the organization earned two awards from, uh, I believe it's uh, the ECHL Awards. One, I think, was uh, the rapid growth in ticket sales. You also had a bunch of uh, sellouts uh, at the arena. And also, I think, just overall the Rising Star Award for overall growth. So talk a little bit about that. Brag about it. Coaches don't get to brag about too much. Yeah. Well, it's nice that I'm not bragging about myself. I get to brag about our front office, our yeah. ticket sales people, uh, and our fans. It's it was it was a pretty special year, to be completely honest with you. Um, I've been here since the very first game that the Mariners came back. So to see the growth in the years, in the four plus years, we had the COVID year as well. Um, but to see the growth has been it's been unbelievable to be completely honest. And um, we're, we're doing, we're setting up like our preseason meetings and we have a lot of new faces in the building this year on our roster. So I want to let them know kind of where we were and where we're at. And we have grown uh, 1100 fans on average attendance over the last three years. So that's a big number, but that's kudos to our front office, our ticket sales reps who work their butts off. And I think a, a couple other things. I think the on-ice product has gotten better. I think the affiliation with the Bruins matters. And I think the the winning ways uh, matter. I think people want to watch winning hockey and watch us make those pushes towards playoffs. And so now that you have the full year under your belt, you had a great regular season last year, a little disappointing early playoff run against the Royals. From the coach's perspective, Give us things you did well, but where do you think you can improve to get past that early playoff run and continue all the way to the finals cup? Yeah, it was a really enjoyable year. It was a fun group to coach. It was a, we had 16 or 17 returners last year. So going from assistant to head coach, uh, there wasn't much of a uh, growing pains process for us. Uh, we, we got off to a slow start, but I knew that things would turn around and I knew the group we had was the right group. So we kind of stayed patient on a lot of stuff and we, we had a really good year. We really started to score. We changed some stuff around uh, offensively. We kind of held that defensive structure that uh, Boston and Providence kind of hold near and dear to their heart. We kind of try to play a three tier system. So, um, but the offensive side of the puck really improved. Um, it was, it was a group that was fast and really skilled. And I think at the end of the day, Maybe we didn't have that little bit of sandpaper in the playoffs and the commitment to the hard side of the puck. 
uh, like the net fronts and, and things like that. Um, so that's something we'll look to improve upon this year. But it was a, it was a really fun year. Obviously, you never want to get bounced in the first round. Um, but as a as a staff, it was year one for me as a head coach, year one for my assistant as my assistant. So it was definitely a stepping stone and something we're we're really excited to to build off of this this season. And Coach, um, not to be a pessimist here at all, but uh, I was just thinking we had on uh, um, Coach uh, Birdie from Rapid City last week. And um, his first season, I think two seasons ago, I, I think they went to the conference finals or, or whatever. They, he had a really good first season. And then last season, they missed the playoffs by two points. So you're coming into sort of you really had an outstanding last season. Are you kind of prepared to, uh, you know, right the ship if the ship starts to go off course? Uh, be, you know, how are you kind of planning for call-ups injuries something yep. like that so you don't fall into that second year sort of slump that kind of can happen right well well first thing birdie's built a really special thing out there i i played out in rapid city for a year and i know what it was then and i know what birdie has kind of built that thing into so he's done a really good job out there in rapid but for us um the the sophomore slump i think it's hard to call it that uh as a coach um, it's such a, it's called the ever-changing hockey league for a reason. So I think coaches can kind of get caught, caught up in that. And obviously we're going to have guys go up to the AHL and maybe the NHL, and we're going to have guys get injured. It's going to happen. It's not a matter of, of if it's a matter of when it's going to happen. So as a coach in our league and a GM in our league, you need to be prepared for, for the worst. And I think we did that by over-signing. Uh, I think we have some, some extra bodies in house, some new bodies in house that'll help us uh, with with depth uh, in case those AHL guys go up. And that's really the best thing you can do is it, it's a lot of it is networking. So if you have good networking uh, and you have good uh, partnerships with colleges or SPHL teams, which I feel like I do, especially in the SPHL. And I played with three of the head coaches in that league. So um, it's good to have those relationships and kind of not owe each other favors but know that uh if you scratch my back i'll scratch your type thing so you just have to be prepared uh behind the scenes and it's a lot of stuff that fans and, and people don't see but i think we're ready and we're prepared uh for this next season so dealing with the injuries the call-ups and everything this sounds kind of like a dumb question but maybe it's not so obviously for the nhl it's different you can go on espn and see the free agency board and people have to look at all the free agents that are still available what about you guys? Do you guys have a list? Is there like an email you get once a week that says here are all available players in the SPHL, overseas, EIHL, EC? I mean, because there's a lot broader um, range of guys that are probably available than just NHL level guys. How do you know what players to pick and call? Is there an email list or something? Like, what, what is it? Absolutely. It's not a stupid question at all. It's it's something where when I was getting into being an assistant coach and a head coach, it was something that I wondered and I've, I've been in it for this long. So um, elite prospects is my best friend. You, you, okay. you go on there, you type in a guy's name, you hear rumors, you see texts, you, you, it's kind of word of mouth. And then you go on elite prospects, see what they're doing, see how they're playing. Maybe it says they've left their European team. Um, or you go on your uh, elite prospects and you see this guy's gotten off to a really good start in the SPHL. Um, and it's guys that like the younger guys in the SPHL that you want to take a shot at. And and then in our league, uh, we get daily transactions. Uh, all the coaching staffs get daily transactions on like a big email chain. So 
Uh, we kind of see what's going on in our league, guys that are leaving, guys that are put on IR, different things like that. But it's definitely uh, a learning curve because you need to keep track of so much because you wear so many hats. But at the end of the day, we're, we're trying to field the best hockey team that we possibly can. So uh, hockey mostly comes first there, and you need to do your, your uh, due diligence when it comes to roster management. Interesting. So, Coach, when is camp for you? We open up October 9th with uh, physicals, and then October 10th we'll hop on ice. So let's talk a little bit about returning players and uh, just sort of an overall question. Who are you excited about returning, and what roles do you expect from them? I'm really excited about we're bringing back a big part of our leadership course. So we bring back Captain Connor Doherty, who uh, has not only done a great job on ice for us, he's a big impact in the community and things like that, which really matters at our level because you have to earn your fans. So he's done a great job uh, earning our fans and, and bringing people into the building. And then Cam Askew, um, assistant captain, Andrew Pesky, assistant captain, uh, those are three guys that I'm really excited to see how they come back and kind of take on that leadership role again, especially with the new faces. There's going to need to be a little more uh, accountability in our room and make sure that guys are going about their business the right way. So those are probably the three. And then I look at uh, some different guys. Gabriel Shaquan is is a good defenseman for us who had a really good rookie season. Uh, Chase Zeke and Austin Albrecht kind of came in late last year and made a big impact and were really big threats to make the uh, playoff roster. Uh, Z kind of got dinged up at the end of the year and Albie actually ended up making the playoff roster. So guys that I don't have the biggest um, sample size on, but I'm really excited to see what they do in year two. Yeah. And so busy off season two with some signs like my father mentioned, you added some goaltending to the roster. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah. So we signed Brad Arvinitis and Cole Cece. Uh, two guys that are bigger. Uh, I think they're both like six, three ish. So we like size, especially uh, since we're not sure what will happen with Providence and Boston. I think there's a good chance we see one, if not two of those guys down here with us. So um, it's important to have that. Again, it's that insurance. It's that depth, especially in the back end in the net. So that's really important. So those guys will fight for a spot. Uh, to essentially fight for that backup slash third spot. But that's an important spot, especially uh, through the first month you get that extra roster spot. So it's a chance for them to really uh, make their mark on the league and, and see what they can do. So it's weird to me. You guys are affiliates with the Boston Bruins. So just as an example, you have Brodeur that's over in the EIHL still, unless he signs somewhere else. He signed with uh, Utica in the Utica. AHL. So my question is, is let's say Brodeur, like last year, still in the EIHL, Let's say you guys got injured, Keister's injured, you got all these guys and you need a goaltender because he's a a draft pick. Is there anything in the contract to where you could pull him from the team he has a contract with playing with? Or is it like once he signs a contract to play with the team, the Bruins can't really touch him till whenever? I've always been curious about that. Yeah, so this is probably something we could have a whole separate episode on. But <laughs> Interesting. Player rights are so tricky in our right. league. So in, in, in our league – uh, we wouldn't have had Jeremy Broder's rights after the season because he signed. He w he was signed in Providence when he was with us. Right. So when he went to overseas, he signed with man the Manchester Storm in in the English league. So that pretty much cuts out his rights anywhere. So if he came back to North America, he would have his pick of the litter to where he wanted oh, to play. So, okay. um, but but a, a different example is 
we signed Carter Johnson this this summer, who was a guy we traded for at the deadline and was a big impact guy for us. We signed him early in the offseason, and he ended up going to sign uh, over there in Dundee. So because he signed with us in the summer, but signed over there for the season and is now over there, if he left over there, I would still have his okay. rights. Uh, so he would he would be owned by us, and then I could do what I wanted if he wanted to come back. Sounds like it's a it's a that's the fun part. So like yeah, that's a headache for me. I was always a big kid. Like I would play MLB the Show and NHL, <laughs> whatever sixteen. And I <laughs> like I I truly enjoyed building the franchise and and like kind of the the uh, roster manipulation and and different things like that. So that's been like kind of the really fun part. It feels like I'm I'm playing a real life video game and getting that's to build what I want. Yeah, 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 that is cool. cool. So the goaltending, so it's obviously great to have competition. Um, when you sign the players on the ECHL contract for you, um, obviously you're you're being up front with them. Like I, I would imagine with a goaltender, it's rough on them because you're going to have to play what you get from the Boston organization from Providence. I mean, yep. that just and they understand that, but I'm assuming they're like um, – uh, willing to compete, which is even more of a plus from you rather than going, yeah, I don't know if I want to fight for a third spot. If you have four or five goalies fighting for these spots. It's uh being a goalie in minor league hockey is, is a difficult job. And I tip my cap to those guys that are able to do it and find their footing and, and, and make a career of it because it's not easy. And you, for me, I, I know some of the best teams that I played on in pro uh, those third goalies or those backups, the guys who don't get a lot of minutes and don't see a lot of time in the net, you need to make sure a couple things. You need to make sure that they're going to compete in practice and drive the pace in practice and force your players to get better. And I think you need to make sure that they're a good guy off the ice because yeah. if you're a third goalie, I don't have time for you to be uh, kind of back talking and, and doing stuff behind the scenes that guys don't like, or you're, you're kind of that, contagious energy that contagious negative energy so i look for guys that are ready to compete and i think both these guys are and i look for guys that are open and willing to kind of go through that that grind process with us knowing that there's a chance that they might not see a lot of time yeah a couple of signings i want to talk about and anything that we leave out please feel free uh to to jump in and let us know uh, a couple of little highlights here uh brendan uh, uh is it makara mckay yeah Makara. So he's an SPHL player, saw some um, ECHL action last season. He did extremely well in juniors. Um, what do you see in him? When you sign guys, and I know from experience, there, there's guys that play junior hockey and then go to college and college hockey is just not for them. And whether that's, um, it's a college is a different game, whether it's uh, they didn't have a good relationship with their coach or didn't get the playing time. So sometimes you kind of have to be weary. And and when you don't have good college numbers, I typically look to see if they played well in the OHL and the BCHL, uh, whatever league they played in, in junior US uh, and NAHL. Because I think that the the parallels between junior hockey and pro hockey are closer than college and, and pro hockey. I think you, you have to play that longer season. It's a little more wide open. It's a little more free. And college is a little more compact and a little more structured. So looking at the junior numbers for Brandon, uh, there, I think there's definitely something there. He's, he's a really good skater. Uh, and I think the one thing that he brings 
uh, we had Tyler Heinem last year and kind of that reckless abandon that you need in some guys. So obviously you have your skill guys, you have, um, you have di- guys fill different roles, but he kind of has that reckless abandon that we're looking for uh, to go out and kind of just cause havoc and, and, and see what he can make of it. So I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Ethan Kappen joined the team, uh, yep. former draft pick of Vancouver. I remember him, lots of AHL experience, obviously excited to have him on, but, when you have a guy that has a lot of AHL experience and you know he'll probably be called back up, how do you plan for the season, like for the future, right, for the rest of the season with him in the lineup knowing, well, he'll probably be called up? Do you already have, like, somebody else in mind that you want to kind of take over his role if he gets called up when he does? How does that mindset work when you sign a guy like Ethan? Absolutely. It's a huge domino effect. Uh, you have to have guys waiting in the wings. You have to guys have guys ready uh, we'll have 12 guys at tryouts and another handful of guys coming down from AHL. So these guys are going to have to earn their spots. But with, with Kep, um, he's a guy that has played in the AHL, but probably hasn't played how he's wanted to play. So that was kind of the selling point for us is come to us, get your game back, get that offensive in those offensive instincts back, um, play free, do what you want not do what you want, but kind of get back to how you, you can play and make yourself successful and um, help a team win. And if he gets called up, that's why we're here. We want these guys to go to the next level. So um, I think he's a guy that can really help us. He seems really ecstatic to come to Maine. Uh, he heard good, good things from Feder Gordiev who left for the, sorry, the KHL. Um, they're good buddies. So he heard good things about Maine and he's, he's looking to come in make an impact and get to that next level. So we're really excited to have kept. So another kind of contract question, he didn't sign with Providence, right? So if he gets called up, it could be from any AHL yeah. team, right? Yeah. Okay. And again, that's, that's a, that's a whole different recruiting processes, right? Sometimes these guys sign two ways and then they're stuck in the coast all year. But if you okay. sign that ECHL one way deal, you open yourself up to 30 different teams in the AHL. That's pretty interesting. So uh, coach, we could go on for an hour about all the signings. Uh, you want to highlight any more signings? that you did. I mean, there was a lot, but I don't want to go. Yeah, there's, <laughs> to be honest, like every, every team in the summer, every coach in the summer thinks they're, they're signing the best players. So for me, I, I think my guys are the best and I'm really excited about every single one of them and see what they can do in camp and how they can earn their spot and earn their role on our roster. But I think uh, Brooklyn Kelmakov is, is a big one for us. He was signed in Wilkes-Barre last year, really good QMJHL numbers had 50 points as a rookie last season. Um, and I look for him, uh, Reed Stephenson, who's a returner. He'll be a big point producer for us. Those are kind of two guys that we'll lean on a lot uh, on the offensive side of the puck. And Cal is kind of that that high-end skill in the ECHL. So he'll be a really fun guy to watch and probably a good guy to follow it from a fan's perspective to see where he can land because he feels like another guy, much like Kepin, that can land in the AHL and make his mark. Yeah, and so we asked Coach Birdie this too, and I'm always curious from a fan's perspective, how, what is the offseason like for an ECHL coach? doesn't seem like you get any days off, man, at all. You're always on call. Uh, yeah. This this summer was a little bit different. Um, I had my first son born the day before game one of playoffs. Oh, congratulations. So, thank you. Yeah, it's been it's been five months of trying to build a roster, trying to uh, to raise him the right way, try to spend time with my wife. So it's been a blast. It's I, I, I couldn't ask for anything better from us from a summer. It's we've had five months together as a family, but 
those 72 hours hovering around game one was was pretty uh, wild. It's so you, you you know a little bit about our podcast. So we we talk to uh, players in all different leagues and so forth. And whenever we talk, whether it be on record or off record, we hear nothing but good things coming out of Maine. So that's kudos to you and the organization. Uh, so the team worked hard for you last year. What's your approach now going in uh, to camp? What's going to be your approach to camp uh, and continuing to build the culture that you're building? What culture are you trying to build uh, for the team? I'd say our culture is from a staff perspective. I want to make sure these guys can always come into our office and talk to us. So an open door policy is really big for me and my assistant, Johnny McKinnis. Um, we want these guys to be able to form relationships with us. We don't want them to feel like they're walking on eggshells, uh, walking around the rink, feeling like they're doing something wrong because we've been there. We, we're not that far out of playing. We know how it can feel in a locker room through the dog days when things are going tough. We want them to, we want them to know that we know they're humans and we want them to think we're humans uh, at the same time. So I think the first thing is make sure their health is good because if they're not in a good space mentally, I don't think that the product on ice will, will end up being very good. So this year, our, I try to come up with a different little theme each year. Last year was believe, work, achieve. This year is going to be calm, committed, and confident. So those are kind of our three words this year. Um, so yeah, we, we want our guys to feel good mentally, but at the same time, I think I ask a lot of my guys on the ice. I don't think it's too much to ask that you show up at the rink at nine o'clock and you can work till 2 PM. I think, uh, when, when you think about it, we're working for four, five hours a day and only an hour of it, maybe an hour of it is on ice. So I don't think it's too much to ask of these guys that you, you, you come to work with a hard hat, uh, each and every day. And I think the guys know that. And I think that's kind of what we've started to carve out for ourselves and these new guys, um, will come in and, and they'll understand that. I think from our first team meeting, they'll understand that you come here, you have a good time. But when we, when we get to the rink, it's, it's work. We, we want to get to work. We want to get you guys to the AHL. And at the end of the day, it's kind of the white elephant in the room. And I'm not sure why teams don't want to talk about it, but we want to win a Kelly cup. We want to win a championship. And I, I think if everybody's working towards that same goal, um, that can be a really strong and powerful thing. And I think beating around the bush and not uh, mentioning the Kelly cup because it's taboo or whatever. I, I think that's kind of, kind of a little bit of baloney. And I think, again, if you're, if you're a group that's working and committed to, towards one thing, I think that that's powerful. You know, I think the, the uh, East coast league is, is so tough when it gets to the playoff season, because, you may be uh, playing, a, well, you or team you're playing might be, their AHL affiliate might be done for the season. And really the East Coast team, right, is really the, all these AHL call-ups, right? Because you've got yep. this pool. It, it's almost seems a little bit unfair not to be whiny about it, but it almost seems like it's not the regular teams going against regular teams now. It's just, so I guess you can't prepare for that. Uh, but is that sort of how the game's played? Because it's different than the AHL playoffs. Yep. Obviously. It's interesting. That's a that's a that's a difficult time of year because um in some ways it is a little unfair. It's unfair to some players for sure. I, I know we had guys that stuck around pretty much all year that couldn't make our playoff roster because guys from Providence were coming down and 
we need to take a look at those guys and those are prospects in the, in the Bruins system. So it's unfortunate. I think most of the guys understand the situation, but it's still difficult uh, conversations you need to have with guys and say, Hey, you can stick around, but unfortunately your, your, your season's probably over. Um, but at the same time, I don't know that it's always a great thing that you have all these AHL guys come down. Sometimes it can be guys coming down from the AHL who don't have a good uh, mentality about going down to the ECHL. Um, they don't want to be there. Um, they think they're a little too good for the league. And if guys don't come down with the right uh, mentality about the league and and approach it with a, a way of I'm going to dominate these playoffs and earn another AHL contract, which a lot of guys don't, let's face it. Yeah. Uh, it can be detrimental to a team. And um, luckily we've had guys come down from Providence that have good mentalities. So, but I know I've been on teams where guys come down and, and are not a fan of being sent down to go play another potential two months of hockey when they think they're done. So it, there's, again, there's all mentalities and, and things that you need to navigate, but that's our job as head coaches to make sure that guys are ready to go and um, are willing to sacrifice and play for your team. Yeah, it's a tough job. It's a yeah. tough job. So I just my last question, Andrew, is just going to be more of a overall uh, Bruins organization. It it's got to be a little bit. Do you? Well, maybe I shouldn't ask this question, but maybe you feel some pressure because of the affiliate. Uh, you know, Boston fans are so, you know, much more heated than, you know, say Arizona fans. But the affiliates are all close together, right? So you're in Maine, you got Rhode Island, and then you got Boston, which is kind of, you know, I mean, typically, you know, you may, you know, an affiliate would be out in Iowa or in Tulsa where we're from or whatever. So it's close. Do you feel the pressure, I guess, of having to produce because it is the whole Boston Bruins organization? Or do you feel a little bit like, no, I can still do my own thing as an as an East Coast coach? I think I have the freedom to do what I want. Um, but at the end of the day, a lot of this is building relationships and building trust. So if guys come down here and they're wasting their time, odds are Providence is not going to send me guys. They're going to keep them in Providence. But I think now the Mariners have become an organization where where GMs and players know they're not coming down here and just kind of playing pond hockey. They know that they're, they're getting coaching They're They're learning similar systems to what they do in Providence and Boston. So I think they understand and the trust has been built and the foundation is built where they can send guys down and be like, Hey, you're going to go down and play two games. You're not going to waste your time. Uh, you'll go play good hockey, play good minutes and, and then you, you'll be back up or, or whatever it might be. So uh, I don't feel pressure. I, I, it, it, it's not pressure. It's it's the fun part of the job to challenge yourself as a coach to get these guys who are being sent down and are vulnerable and and build them back up and get them to that next level. So that's kind of the fun part of the job as well is to see where you can can get these guys to. You've been working with the Bruins organization now, going to camps, meetings, everything else. Um, so without giving away anything that maybe you shouldn't, I just say that like I, I don't know. A lot of Bruins fans are upset because of the disappointing season last season, the first round exit, so forth, so on. So a lot of Bruins fans are kind of going negative overall into the season. This may be a possible rebuild season. From what you've kind of seen, uh, is there hope for the Bruins fans this year? Yeah, absolutely. I think anytime you have Charlie McAvoy, you have a good tandem of goalies, you have Brad Marchand, you got some exciting guys 
um, going into this season. You have some exciting prospects. And going into last season, people didn't think the Bruins were going to be good either. And they ended up winning 55 games. So that's right. uh, It'll be interesting to see. And I think the one thing is uh, Monty's an incredible coach. He actually recruited me when he was at RPI uh, with Seth Appert. So I have a little relationship with him. And he's a phenomenal hockey mind. He gets guys to buy into his system uh, probably unlike any other. He's won everywhere he's been. So um, the buy-in will be there. I don't think there's any question of that. And then hopefully some of these young prospects can can jump up and make their mark. I know uh, we were talking pre-show that there's there's some guys that they should be excited for uh, in, the, in the coming year or two. So I don't think it's anything – I don't know that they win 65 games again. You can't replace a Patrice Bergeron or anything like that. But I think they're, they're bound to be a pretty good team. And uh, you never know until you play the 82-game schedule. I don't think you can look at a roster – uh, beforehand and say this is how they're going to do that's why projections are always funny to me because guys will will tailor it back and some guys will step up you never know and that's the fun part of playing the games how do you think Marshan will be as the new captain I feel like it'll kind of be kind of like when Char was in he's kind of more of an intense in your face guy compared to Bergeron do you think that this will change how they play a little bit I heard that in uh, their own training camps that they were playing a little harder along the boards a little bit more physical this year yeah, I mean, being at the at the Bruins uh, main camp, uh, Marshawn is definitely like a practice driver. He's a guy that is pretty intense. He's not afraid to bump. He's not afraid to get into guys' hands during camp. And that's what you want in a captain. You don't want a guy who's going to go out and float. He's a guy that's going to drag people into the fire and, and get guys to do things the right way. And probably a little bit different of a leadership uh way about him than than Bergeron was but I think it'll be good it's an it's a nice change of pace it, it'll be uh fresh for the locker room it's it's something different than you you bring in a, a younger assistant captain and McAvoy and uh again it's it's guys that just it's kind of that next man up mentality Marshawn's been under Bergeron's right right hand for the last 10 years so he, he kind of knows how Bergie went I'm sure he learned some tips and tricks along the way and I'm sure McAvoy and those guys have done the same. So I'm sure they'll step into their situations and and do it really well. And I'm sure they'll have a pretty good year and uh, fans will be happy. Coach, we can't thank you enough for you for the time. We know it's a busy time. I just figured we'd try to get you before camp because getting hold of you after camp is going to probably be difficult for you. We can't thank you enough. Um, we wish you uh, a, a great season. Maybe we'll check in with you mid-season. Uh, we'll say goodbye off air, but on air, Again, we can't thank you enough. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Okay. Always great to talk to Coach Wallen. Um, Again, uh, we can brag about it. We had him on last summer, and it was crazy. We were just going to interview him as an assistant coach with me. Right. And he was like, boys, I got news. I'm I'm the new head coach. And we were able to kind of break that. We actually got a lot of mileage out of that. PR wise. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause uh, we broke that and was able to kind of talk to him before he even had sort of had a, I don't want to say a plan, but you know what I'm saying? He just found out he was hired as head coach. Yeah. Like yeah. an hour before. Yeah. Um, and he had a great season. Um, I'm really interested to follow his career. Um, I hope he doesn't have that sophomore slump. Hope I didn't jinx anything. Yeah. That's the thing, you yeah. know, it, we're, we're just fans. We don't want to jinx anybody, but yeah, uh, Maine really is looking strong. He 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 builds a great club. 
Yeah, and of course it's an organizational thing too. If if Maine is strong and it starts from the bottom, goes all the way to Providence. Providence has always been very strong, especially since we've had Jay Leach. Once he left, anybody that's been replacing him since has been great. And uh, and then you got the Bruins, man. I, I don't think the Bruins are going to be as bad as people truly think this season. I think that there, I think there will be some surprises. And my official prediction is prediction. I think the Bruins still hit 100 points this season. Wow. I still think they're that good. I think they'll finish third in their conference division, whatever. You know, I hate these new divisions they did a couple of years ago. But, uh, yeah, I think that they'll do a lot better than you think. And I think, Dad, you're not a big young guy fan. You don't care about the prospects too much. But we've got some good prospects that could make the jump this year. Could make the jump. Got to watch some preseason games. But I'm just burned. I hate NHL. Network. I'm, I'm, I'm burned watch. out on prospects when Cassidy was coach and it seemed like we were pulling up every weekend, some other new guy from Providence and, you know, and some worked out, you know, I wish Jack Stadnika worked out though. Yeah. But a a lot didn't, but anyway, for another podcast. Yes. And we got to get Dave Capuano Cappy on here and uh, get the, the yeah. You know, once we get into the season, see how he sees, uh, not only the Bruins, but also the rest of the NHL, because uh, Dave is usually uh, right about everything. Yeah. Of course, he was a former NHL player, so he knows. Yeah. So we'll have to have uh, Cappy back on. But quick podcast here today, because we didn't want to uh, keep coach. Uh, but this is the third ECHL coach we've had on here, uh, three in a row. Uh, maybe we should try to, well, camp starts next week, but uh, we should try to maybe get one more on. Yeah, I didn't know that we were doing so many ECHL coaches, but it's been great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good episode today, too. So uh, we're coming up on soon next month. October will be our third anniversary. we got to think about uh, doing something for our third anniversary. Andrew. I didn't realize it was three years now. Yeah. Oh, we also did mention we did do um, quite a bit on episode 86. Yeah. Uh, with Coach Wallen here last summer. So if you want to hear all about his background, uh, please go to our episode 86. We did forget to mention that. And him getting uh, – I actually, I think I did mention in the beginning. Oh, he was okay. episode 86. But check it out because, again, we broke the news. He literally – when he got on the podcast, he was just telling us right before we you know recorded, I just got the job. Like, let's talk about it. Let's break the news. Yeah, so it was great. It was pretty cool. Check it out. It was a cool episode. So appreciate Coach Wallen as always and hope that he has a great season with Maine. Yeah, and thank you very much to all of our listeners. We are trying to uh, get back to some um, uh, British elite EIHL uh, lining up some players there. Also, uh, some other players in Europe uh, we're trying to book as well, along with uh, trying to get more uh, North American players on. So stay tuned. It's going to be a wonderful season of hockey. I can't wait for hockey to begin. Andrew and I, thank you very much. Our Our stats keep going up, up, and up, so we appreciate the support from everybody, and hopefully uh, we're still providing a good product for people to get that inside scoop a little bit of of this game of hockey. And it's while it's tough to get current NHL players to come on uh, this podcast, since we're not spitting chiclets or something like that, um, we do get to cover quite a bit in the world of hockey, which is just as important and interesting hockey stories. And, we, you know, to be fair, we've got a lot of NHL players or a lot of NHL assistant coaches and stuff that wanted to come on the show, but uh, we never got permission from the team. That's so true. more of a team thing in their contract because you guys would be surprised. We've had a lot say yes and a lot that we've reached out to for their team and the team either yeah. never replied or they're like, 
no, they're not going to come on the show. So it is what it is. So stay tuned, everybody. Thank you.